Are your kitchen and bathroom way overdue for a remodel? Well, I got the guy for you. Call John Sellers at First Response Contracting, 484-256-7136. Both residential and commercial services, and he's licensed and insured. Call him at 484-256-7136, First Response Contracting. Hello, this is Brad Wiseman. You're listening to Real Estate and You. We are back in the studio, and I have a great guest up here for you. This guy is all the way from St. Augustine, Florida. His name is Gino Barbaro, and I can't wait to have this conversation. It's been several weeks since we booked this. And uh, Gino, how you doing, man? Brad, one of the best voices for a podcast, my friend. Awesome. Uh, oh, I'm doing great. How you doing? Brad? Well, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I'm doing great, man. I'm doing really well. I know St. Augustine, Florida is doing even better yet. I'm pretty sure about yeah. that. Let um, me paint that picture. A nice 80 degrees, sun yeah. outside, no, no clouds. Just amazing. Should we just end the podcast right here? Should we just, <laughs> should we just stop? <laughs> you do know I'm Reading, Pennsylvania, right? You do know yes, that. I yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So our it's not been bad. We didn't have a bad winter either. I got to say the Northeast has been pretty good this year. Um, no, not much snow and the, and the temperatures have been pretty good. So uh, let's dive into, I was really curious. Uh, somebody had sent me your information. I mean, once you have a podcast, I learned you get uh, people that contact you to, to see if you want to be on the show. You probably have somebody that, that works for you that does that, which is great. And, you know, there's a lot of times now I say no, because there's so many people out there doing the, uh, the the real estate thing and everything else. But I look for the special ones, the ones that actually stand out to me when I read the bio or when I uh, look at, at different things on their on their podcasts. And you were one of them that stood out. You, It's uh, Jake and Gino. I, I looked at both you guys. Just tell me a little bit about yourself. You don't come from real estate background. You come from something else. You come from making pasta. No, it was it penny alla vodka, right? Yes. Tell me about that. It's it's interesting you say that. There's a lot of gurus out in the space, Brad, right? And what Jake and I like to call ourselves are the gurus. We've done it. We've been been in the trenches. I mean, we've been in this real estate market for the last 12 to 15 years. We've seen the cycle. I mean, I started out in the restaurant industry years and years ago. I got out of college. There were no jobs back then. There were actual recessions back then. You know, when you went into a recession, all of a sudden, wow. You're a recession. You can't find a job. Right. So it's really cool that I went through that transition. I loved my small business that I had with my dad and my mom and my brother. We had a restaurant place up in New York for, I don't know, almost 20 years. In 2009, wow. I met Jake in 2009. We started partnering together. In 2011, he moved down to no- he moved down to Knoxville, Tennessee. And as you know, someone up from the Northeast, you're like, where's Knoxville, Tennessee? <laughs> I had no idea where it was. Right, right. And I'm like, thank God he moved down there. We partnered up and you know, it took us 18 months to find that first deal. And since then, we've been able to, you know, scale over 1,500 units in that in that time wow. frame. But it's been it's been awesome. I, I would not be here if it wasn't for my partner, Jake, and my partner, Mike. And I think multifamily lends itself. It's a team sport. You can't do everything by yourself. Yeah. Unless you're going to burn yourself out. Yeah. And we talk about that at Keller Williams as far as real estate. We do a lot of team stuff. We talk about oh, yeah. le- leveraging. You, 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 have, you have to learn how to leverage in life, whether mm-hmm. it's real estate, restaurant, um, whatever it is, actually, actually, even just your own life with your children, you have to learn if, if, if mowing the grass, if you can get them grass mode for 35 bucks and that allows you to go to your son's baseball game, what do you do? You start hiring somebody to mow your grass because maybe the mowing the grass thing is not as important. And you're leveraging that to somebody that the $35 is, is worth it for them. So, you know, it's interesting how we do that in life with everything. And I think that's great because you couldn't build the the massive uh, amount of real estate you have without leveraging. It's important that people need to hear this because you're talking about mowing the grass. 
Jake and I in the beginning, we were the I'm a guys. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna do this and I'm gonna <laughs> do that, and I'm gonna get burned out. And you know, picture Jake on our first property riding the tractor, right, going right. knocking on all the doors. Jake's gonna get burned out. And the ironic thing about entrepreneurship is in the beginning, you need to bootstrap. You need to learn as much as you possibly can and grow. But there comes a point at our point at a hundred units, we're like, we can't grow anymore. We need to start hiring people. So that's what multifamily allows you to do. You start hiring property managers, yep. you start hiring maintenance techs. And if you don't shed that I'm a mentality and shed the former person of yourself, you won't be able to grow. And that is the sure. hardest thing, Brad, to do is it to is. hire an editor for a podcast, to hire a bookkeeper, to hire a property manager, hire maintenance techs. You have to learn how to do that to become an entrepreneur. And it's not easy. Yeah. If you're thinking to yourself right now, man, I really hate doing the books. I think I need to hire somebody. You're way past that. You should have yeah. hired that person yeah. six months ago. Yeah, it's interesting. And, and you, what you find is you'll never, you can't grow. You cannot grow if you have the I'm a, I love that I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do it. if you have that mentality uh, uh, you can't grow so it's it's an interesting thing and and that's it's to scale you got to bring you can't go go to the next level uh, without that uh, being able to just say okay and you know what it is entrepreneurs we're control freaks you know we really are I mean you know I, I admit to that completely you know I, I never say oh my I am it's something that you have to be able to relinquish that control. And know that somebody can do it just as good or better, most likely, than you can while you run the ship. You know, Brad, let me ask you a question. This is your podcast. But yeah, go ahead. Do you th- do you think ego plays a little bit into that where you're thinking, hey, oh, my I'm God, Brad, yes. I cut the grass better. I could do bookkeeping better. Yep. Do you think that plays into it? Absolutely. And I also think it plays into one of the things because I had a partner once before in real estate. And one of the things I said about partnership with this partner, I had a partner for many years and and it worked out great. One of the things that for me was when you when you do it yourself and you run your business yourself as an entrepreneur, as a single person, I am 100 percent responsible for my success and my failure. So you can't point the finger at somebody and say, oh, the accountant's the reason I'm not successful. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So that's the one. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I, I know that's not right. It's just that's where that's the place I come from in a lot of things. Now, as what you can't see here is I, I, the, the producer normally is here. I'm going to bust Hugo's butt. He's not here right now. Um, but he's here because I've relinquished control on producing the show. Normally he's here. Okay. I have a, a person doing social media for the show. She does all that because I relinquish control on that. So I'm getting better. <laughs> and it's hard because as you get older and you become more of a leader, you speak less, yeah. you speak last, yep. and you ask questions and you're yeah. more solutions oriented. And that's very hard when you're younger because when yeah. you're younger, you want to solve all the problems, yep. you want to take control, you want to make it happen. But as you get older, you can't make it happen without other people. And you have yeah. to grow the team and you have to understand your strengths and weaknesses. And that can be very difficult. And if you want to play the I'm a guy, that I'm a guy gets burned yeah. out at about 100 units. And then Jake and Gina are going to come by and they're going to buy your properties. <laughs> so don't be that I'm a guy. All don't, right? don't be the I'm a guy. That's funny. Yeah. yeah, it's funny. A good leader surrounds himself with people that can do what they can. That's that's pretty much what it is. So yeah, let's get on here. This is a, this is this is already rolling, rocking and rolling very well, and I like that. Yeah, let's go on. So talk about you've written books now. So you've gotten to a point where you you've done it. You, you started in this business, and if you want me to go back a little bit, you, you, you're starting from from pizza to property. So let's go pizza to properties. How's that? You get that transition, you and Jake. Now the first property is always the one that is hard to get past. What was that like? For, for pizza to properties for us looked like not single families. I already had the business. So people always ask me why multifamily. For us, it was by default. 
Right. You don't have to start in single family. That's where we're all comfortable. We can say, oh, we can, you don't have to start with a single family investment. You can start with a multifamily. And for Jake and myself, I'm like, Jake, I'm working full time. You're working full time. If we can buy a property with 10 or 12 or 15 units, it's a lot easier to manage it. It's all contiguous. So for that first property, like I said, 18 months, Jake is a bull in a China shop. He's running around. He's telling the brokers he's the man when really you should be saying, Mr. Broker, I am the person. Show me your listings. Like yeah. They are the ones who have those golden eggs. And yeah. we understand that. It took us a little while. And once we figured that out, all of a sudden, brokers started coming to us. And yeah. you have to do what you say and say what you do. If you're going to underwrite a deal, if you're going to do a property tour, don't be late. Show up. And for us, it took a little while to figure that piece yeah. out. But that first deal was challenging. It was a 25-unit property. Wow, that's big for a first deal. It was, but ironically, we found it on LoopNet because back in 2013, there was a lot of deals. There was no yeah. money. Yeah, memory, you know, trip down memory lane. It was one percent GDP growth. There was yeah. no, there was no employment going on. Rents for a one bedroom well, in Knoxville, and people were still nervous from 2008. You, you got to remember, people lost yes. their asses um, yes. from 2008 till 2010, 11. They didn't have the credit to buy. Yes. Yes. And like, we're going to talk about interest rates and all it's that part of the cycle is coming back. We were in a buyer's part of the cycle back then. Rates were still a little high. We, that property, we got a 6% interest rate on that property. I remember we got some seller financing on that property, which now all of a sudden seller financing is coming back. So you're seeing the change. And for us, it wasn't about the deal. We just got lucky. We found a broker who believed in us, who trusted in us, me, Jake, and I partnered up with my brother. We bought that first deal, and then three months later, all of a sudden, that broker liked us, brought us another deal. Amazing. Yeah, and that's all about relationships. Yes, I mean, absolutely. that's what it's about. It's all about relationships. And and it's funny, as soon as you do an easy deal with somebody or you make it easy for them as uh, a broker or a realtor, they will come to you because I can tell you, as a realtor, I know we don't want to work any harder than we have to. You know, we want, we want to get that deal done. And it's trust. Okay. You, you build trust. Yes. You know, you know that yes. if, if I say I'm paying this, I'm going to pay that. And I'm going to make yes. it to settlement. So, yeah, that's important. So, uh, so let's go. So now you go from there. How do you get into, let's talk about the books, because that to me is always, a, it's a different step. You know, anybody can say, you know what, I want to write a book. I want to write a book, but you've written several books uh, that you have here. How did you go from doing what you do to getting it into writing into a book? I mean, that's, that's a major commitment. I think it was stupidity in the beginning. I was like, I'm going to write a book, right? You don't know how much work is involved. But for me, I was fortunate because in March of 2016, I left the restaurant. So I went, I went to real estate full time and we decided to move to Florida. And wow. I'm like, Jake, we're going to start buying deals in Jacksonville where I moved in St. Augustine. It didn't happen because everyone's telling me down here, the property is so expensive. You can't yeah. do it. So I'm like, Jake, you're in Knoxville. I can't help you with the property management. Let's start Jake and Gino. Let's start a podcast. Let's start writing books. And that was the beginning. The wow. Profits was the first book. And, you know, Brad, the irony is it makes you such a better investor. I've learned so much in the last six and seven years from our coaches and from our students and from podcasting than yeah. I would have if I had just been investing on my own. And for me, it was it's come full circle. You've heard learn, do, and teach. Yep. Well, that's basically what I'm doing. And as you're learning it, you start doing it. And as you start having a little success, you start teaching it to others. And when yeah. you teach it to others, you look at it from a different vein. You get really serious about the content and you're actually putting it out there and you become a steward of that content and you just become better. A little bit every day, and it it all started for me when I became financially free. When I'm like, I yeah. don't have the pressure of going out there and um, you know making that money to actually pay the bills. And the other thing was my values. I wanted to give back. I wanted to contribute. I think the financial literacy in this country is is, is awful, and I, I love to you know contribute yeah. to helping people understand money at a, at, a, at a higher level. No, that's that's cool. Yeah, and and I think also when when you write or when you teach, you learn so much. 
I mean, mm-hmm. teaching is learning. I mean, I, and I, I know that like, I do some training here in, in our office and there's many times where all of a sudden something comes out of my mouth and there's like that, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. Yes. And it was actually creating in the moment on how to explain it or how to do an analogy for it or whatever. So that's cool. And I, I think it's amazing because you've got a bunch of books. If somebody wants to get books here, where would they go to get your books? Just go to jakeandgino.com. You'll okay. see all the books on there, all the resources. My wife's actually launching a third kid's book. I saw that there's kid's books. At first, yeah. I thought it was you writing them. And it was no, funny. I was like, boy, this guy goes all over the place with this stuff. I see these kids. Well, books. Remember delegating. Remember what I'm That's saying? That's right. Delegate. And for her, it's been a passion for her because it's we have six kids. We homeschool the kids. God bless you. And it's just it's one of those things where how do you start that conversation with kids about responsibility, about money, right? Yeah. And that's we just decided to start writing kids books and putting stories in there that children can understand. And even that parents can start that conversation with their kids about those daunting topics because most parents don't know how to start the conversation yeah. as well. And I think our standard, every, our educational system today is not really, is not producing entrepreneurs. It's not producing business minded uh, kids. And that's, that's a little bit, that could be a little scary. Mm-hmm. It's conducive. And I think once you become conscious of that, you have the ability to take control of yourself. Most of us, when we go to college, we go to, to get educated for a job. That, yeah. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But that problem with that in the model nowadays, it just doesn't work. Back in the 70s and 80s, my dad had that one restaurant. Man, that was an amazing lifestyle. Yeah. One restaurant, four partners, middle class. Nowadays, I transitioned over, yeah. two families, one restaurant. It doesn't work. doesn't so, work. Yeah, it's nope. amazing. The podcast. Let's go through all the. You have like forty thousand podcasts that you're on. I, I mean, if you could, if you could just list the top five or type, top six, that would be great. But no, you have a bunch of podcasts. Maybe go through those too, because I'm a big podcast guy, obviously. And um, go, go through the different ones you have, I, and, and start with the one with your wife. I think that's kind of cool. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Are you tired of looking at your car covered in road salt and winter grime or not quite getting the results you would like to see from the car wash? Well, I've got just the solution for you. The Detail Shop, your go-to destination for premium auto detailing. Well, the Julian Gino show was, was actually born in the basin of my mom's house. We were in her basement, and she said, let's do a podcast. And I said, sure, let's do one. And obviously, the first show went terribly. I assaulted her. I offended her. <laughs> and, and we had a big argument. And she's like, I'm not doing it. I'm like, good. Let's not do it. And, it and sucks. She, oh. Yeah, she reflected upon it. And like 150 shows later, she's like, okay, that was – I overreacted a little oh bit. Oh, my but God. It's, it's one of those things where – I love working with my wife. Yeah. I love spending time with her. And, you know, when we're out to dinner, hey, what's on the show? Hey, who are we interviewing? And oh, that's we interview cool. Other, we interview other entrepreneurs. We interview other people who want to work together. We've interviewed life coaches. We've interviewed priests. We've interviewed oh, Dr. Gary so Chapman. Cool. And it's it's one of those things where you just want to get different perspectives from people and see what's working in their relationships. And I, we had a gentleman named Eric Davis, a Navy SEAL on a couple weeks ago. He wrote a book on being a father, being a dad. What a great perspective from somebody who's who's equating being a parent, being a dad, to being in combat, being in war. Oh, wow. And like it's just it was awesome. It was a great show. But that's a fun show for if you're out there, if you want to connect with your spouse, if you want to work with your spouse, that one's great. The Jake and Gino show, entrepreneurs. We have business thought leaders. We have a how-to in real estate. If you want to get on 10 minutes, listen to how to how to work in multifamily. We have the hundred-year real estate investor, which I, is one of my favorite shows because it's about wealth, generational wealth, legacy skills entrepreneurship, uh, long-termism, and then ultimately have the movers and shakers, which is we have students doing deals. Our students have closed over 60,000 units wow. in our community. It's, it's over $4 billion. And that's just 
continuing to grow every That's year. That's amazing. Every, every year. And you just want to interview them and see, hey, what was your what was your challenge? What was your stuck point? What made you successful in closing deals? So I, just, I love to share those stories. That's awesome. Community. You know, what's amazing is, is when you can when you can pour into into your students or into people. Um, yes. You pour into them, and and they they grab onto it. And it's the proud moment is when they actually when they do the res, when the result is what you were trying uh, to get. Oh my gosh, it's awesome! Very very the, cool. The proud moment is when you get an email saying, "Hey, I just closed this deal," or "Hey, I just left my job." Yeah. Or, wow. Hey, you know. I just, can I get on a call? Cause I want to speak to you about creating a partnership. Those are things that, you know, you, you take lightly in the beginning, but then afterwards you start saying to yourself, man, money is great. Making money is great. Money is just a result of what all of your, of all the actions you've taken. But if you can go out there and actually impact other people's lives, you're impacting their lives yeah. and their families' lives and the lives for generations to come. So think about how powerful that is. It's a, yeah, it's, a, yeah, it's generational wealth. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, we were talking about the rates. Uh, what are the, what are the rates doing today? Like fed rates, things like that. And your, and your take on money was too cheap before. Okay. And it can't, that can't last forever. Um, and one of the things I always say to, you know, banks are in business to make money. And if, if they can't make a spread on an interest rate uh, and make money, that's not good. We want them to make money or we don't get loans because the less money they make, the less money they can lend out. Uh, and I think, and that's a, that hurts an economy. So Give me, give me your take on the, on the Fed rate uh, and everything going up and interest rates and all that stuff. Or, to your point, they've got to go and borrow money at a higher rate, and they're yep. going to charge you a higher rate. That's Absolutely. very important. That pe- most people don't understand. Jake put me onto this show by PBS. It was called The Age of Easy Money. If, if you're on and you hear this, go watch it. It's about an hour and a half long. I couldn't watch the whole thing because it made me nauseous as I'm watching it. So I can only <laughs> take it in 10-minute increments because you're saying to yourself, it's a train wreck. We've known this, and, and yeah. as it starts back in 08 with the quantitative easing, and, and you go through the whole thing, yep. and in 2020, they averted a financial crisis, which was much worse than 08. They just threw a ton of money at it, yep. and, and what I realized is the job of the Fed is to actually slow down inflation, and inflation, mm-hmm. for anybody who doesn't understand what inflation is, it is an increase in the supply of money. It's not an increase in prices. It's an increase in the supply of money, Mm -hmm. which actually derives prices tend to to, to rise from an increase in the money supply. They just increased it so much. And the idiots actually said it's transitory. They didn't understand because they're not boots on the ground. You have a demand and a supply problem. There's a lot of demand and not a lot of supply. It's going to cause inflation. So they should have raised rates sooner, but the politicians got in the way. If we go back and do a, a little revisionist history, I'm a Trump Trump fan. I like his policies. Don't like him. But he should have raised rates back in 19. And he did for a little bit. But then he jumped in and said, hey, time out. The economy's slowing down. So it became political. Yeah. And then COVID came and everything stopped. And then from there, Biden should have raised rates a lot sooner. But the 2022 elections came and they didn't raise it sooner. So then what ended up happening is you got to raise rates so quick. It shocks the economy and a financial crisis is preceded by bank failures, which is what is going on right now, and market failures with crypto. So what I'm telling you is it's revisionist history. It happened in 07 or 08. We're in the beginning of this right now. They raise rates to slow the economy down. Hopefully purchasing goes down. We take care of inflation. It will come back down and rates will come back down. So for me, the Fed has done a poor job. They're in a tough predicament because we have have a political dysfunction. I mean, they they can't do policies for the economy. So the Fed has to step in and do the, do the politician's job. Yep. They just didn't step in quick enough and they didn't understand what was going on. I don't know how they missed it, to be honest with you, but I mean, we all know it. We all, yeah. we all saw prices. I mean, you're going up by used cars that you can't buy, you buy a used car more expensive than a new car. 
I mean, come on. That was that yep. was the issue going on, Brad. Yeah, no, it's 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 supply. It's, it's, the whole thing is there's more money than there is supplies. Yes. I mean, it, it, when there's more money than there is supplies, it, it's going to create massive inflation. And it was the mm-hmm. biggest printing of money we've ever seen in history. Yes. And when that happens, it's there's just money everywhere and everybody has something to go buy something. Well, then what you're going to buy was already bought by somebody else. What happens? The next one goes up in price. The housing yes. market is a ex- major, major uh, experiment right there. I mean, our housing prices have gone up 20, 30, 40 percent. And Brad, there's one thing in the in this in this show that really bothered me and it stuck me to this day. You have politicians and you have the AFL telling the Fed to keep rates low because they don't want unemployment. But when you keep rates low, what do you do? You stimulate all of a sudden this this type of a risk, right? And you, mm-hmm. you stimulate people going out and inflating asset prices. Well, what happens? The top 1%, the top 0.5% get even richer. Yep. And the lower ones, even though they have a job, that job is not creating any kind of any kind of wealth. Yep. So our politicians don't understand what they're talking about, and they want low rates. But you're creating this wealth disparity at such a great clip right now that they don't understand what they're doing. And that's what's frustrating to me, yeah. seeing it in real time and going. But the positive is, as you're listening to this, you know what to do. You need yeah. to go out there, educate yourself, yep. buy assets. Don't think about your job as, as the end all be all. You need to create a lot more revenue. The book behind me, the Honeybee. We talk about multiple streams of revenue. You need to create that. And multifamily, a 10 unit, 20 unit, 14 unit, six unit. Yep. These are all little multiple streams of revenue that you can start generating today. Yeah. Don't be relying upon the government. Don't be uh, relying never. upon your <laughs> job. Be relying upon yourself. Absolutely. And I think that's that's a good Good um, rule right there. Definitely don't rely on the government. You got to rely on yourself. Uh, building wealth, and, and the interesting thing about building wealth, some of the, the richest people in the world are because of real estate. Um, you know, the thing about real estate, you, you you always need a place to live. Everybody needs a place to live. A house is never worth zero. A stock could be worth zero, but a house will never be worth zero because it always has value for somebody. It could be the worst house in the world, but either even if it's the worst house in the world, it's not livable. What happens? An investor buys it, flips it, and then they make money. Somebody then lives in it after that. So it's always worth something to somebody. Great show here. Then how do you want to wrap this up? We we talked about a lot of different things here. Is there anything that you want to end the show with and say, hey, you know what? I want I want this to get across out there. Uh, I mean, I think we did a lot of that already. But is there anything else that, that you that you love to end the show with? I would say to everybody. We don't fear change. We fear not being prepared for the change. And mm-hmm. that's what happened to me back in 2008. I wasn't ready for the recession. Yeah, I had a little I. more debt than I had. I didn't have my reserves. I had some really crappy investments. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. And, and I wasn't prepared for it. But then once I met Jake and I joined these mentorship groups, I started to prepare for the change. And then once I prepared for the change, that fear was still there, but it wasn't gripping. It wasn't holding me back from from taking action. And I think for all of you out there, just get prepared. It's coming. You know it's coming. Interest rates are high. We're going to go into a recession. There are going to be job losses. Understand that that's what's going to happen and start preparing for that storm. I agree with you 100%. I always say in 2006, I I bought my first uh, brand new sports car. And in 2008, I sold my first brand new sports car. <laughs> and I was it was a hand me down car for years. Yeah, after that. It's, it was I unbelievable. <laughs> and I also yeah. say to my wife, she's, uh, she's younger than me and she, she didn't live through it. Like I did being in real estate. We weren't together yet. And I say, the one thing I always tell people is that live well, well within your means, because when that happened in 2008, I could not change my lifestyle fast enough because I always thought 
it was going to get better and better and better and better. And up until that time, my career started in 1992 in real estate. Every year I did better up until 2006, 2007, and then it just dropped. So be careful how much you build your lifestyle up to. Make sure that you have the reserves, like you just said, and have savings or have things you can either sell or do in order to keep, you know, keep yourself together. So the great MJ DeMarco says, be a producer. Don't be a consumer. If your mindset is to produce, you continue to produce and create value. And then from there you can consume. But most people are trained to be consumers and not producers. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. I love this conversation. This was, this was a lot of fun. We're going to have to get together again on, on podcasts here. I'll tell you. Yes. So thanks for coming on the show, Gino. I appreciate it. Um, I love everything you're doing. I love the the podcasts. I love the books. I love what you're, what you're teaching. All that stuff is just awesome. And, and, uh, I appreciate you for, for coming on the show. I really do. Brad, thanks. And I have a ton of admiration for the Keller group and what you guys have done. I had Jay Paps on our show years ago. Oh, cool. One thing is, is huge. I think your systems, your training, yeah. and the brand that you guys have built is, is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's your great work as well. It's awesome. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. All right, there you have it. Gino Barbaro, he was here on the show. He also makes great pasta, so we might have to have him come back on the show to make some uh, penny alla vodka, maybe some spaghetti, maybe some meatballs. I love a good meatball. So uh, that's about it. We'll see you next Thursday at 1 p.m. Thank you. Are your kitchen and bathroom remodels a little overdue? Well, now's your chance to call First Response Contracting. John Sellers will take care of you. 484-256-7136. They do residential and commercial, and they're licensed and insured. Give them a call at 484-256-7136.